fantasy manager. So. Oh, my God. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> All right. Let's not Welcome, yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Sports Banter World, Season 2, Episode 22, with Mr. Peanut. And come and on, the polar bear, baby. Come on. The dream team, the dynamic duo. That's right. The big man, the little guy. Hey, <laughs> that's why we work so well together. It's just of course. Opposites, opposites attract. That's and right. That's exactly what we are. But look. A lot to be discussed. We're not. We're in November now, so you know we're at the elite level of baseball where there's two teams left. Unfortunately, it is not our San Diego Padres. Of course. And let's and let's start there. Um, kind of a season in review, hindsight's twenty twenty. What are your feelings on everything that unfolded? Uh, how you know how far we went? Just our season as a whole. Well, you know, I think, you know, if we go back and we probably listen to our early podcasts with Sports Banter for this season for the Padres, I mean, we were on high hopes. And, you know, we had, I myself, the polar bear, had extremely high expectations. The World Series was definitely uh, within that conversation. And, you know, as a series, as a series, huh, as a season as a whole, I think, you know, we went through the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows of a season as a fan base. I mean, we went all the way to the lowest part of having our number one player on the team. Just totally. Just classic. Shit the bed, which is a quintessential Padre story. It would San not San Diego be... life, man. Correct. So I think in that sense, you know, as a fan, it's, it's always good to go through those ebbs and flows, like I said, with that. Um, I think as a team, you know, first year with Bob Melvin, I, I mean, I, just being able to experience the the team really running high early on in the season. And then we got to, you know, that after that quarter of the season, we started kind of trickling down. We, we were feeling defeated. Uh, uh, Mr. Peanut and the Polar Bear were over the Padres at that point. And, you know, we couldn't even watch them for a while there, which, you know, they, they finally listened. And, um, you know, then the Tatis thing and then our bats just coming alive. Manny Machado really just driving that team. I Personally, I, I think he put the team a lot on his back this year. Um, and, you know, just running through all the way into the playoffs. I mean, the fact that we got into the playoffs and we got, you know, into that you know, NLDS, NLCS games, that that's amazing. And as a fan, I'm, I'm proud of where we ended. I'm upset of how it ended, but I, I mean, you can't, you can't be mad at that. I mean, everybody wants the golden ticket, but for a season as that we've gone through, I think the world series was definitely on the table, but to see how far we've come with a team that's lacking if not one of the best young players in the, I almost said NFL, MLB. <laughs> I mean, come on, that shows you, again, it shows you that Bob Melvin, I'm, I'm putting a lot on him, and the organization as a whole has finally started to kind of figure this out. Yeah, and I, a lot of great points there, Polar Bear. Uh, and I feel like if you're a San Diego Padre fan, there's a lot of the same key points that you're going to hit on, and a lot of what you said is, 
important and it's true. Let's go back to last year when you, it was the worst collapse of all time. Talk about not wanting to watch games. Right. That was a team that was going to lose yeah. with Tatis on the field, completely dejected. And I believe in our episode, you mentioned uh, the manager being a key aspect of why the team was on the downward spiral, which was Tingler at the time. And what happened this year, we were kind of going to trend. No, not kind of. We were trending the same exact way of we had played as a playoff caliber team the whole year. And then it's like, oh, holy shit, this awful thing that came out of nowhere is happening. And now we're going to blow everything and not make the playoffs again. And we were. We were on that same trajectory. And it was like, are you kidding me? We cannot do this again, man. Just let us play a playoff game for us. You know what I mean? For my sanity, for Polar Bear's sanity, for San Diego's (laughs) peace of mind. Right. And Bob Melvin was the one who stepped up. And they lost to Arizona in Arizona. Just one of those disgusting, couldn't get a hit off some guy you never heard of. Just mind-boggling stuff and finally bob melvin whatever he said in my mind he's in he goes to the team in the locker room he goes what the hell are we doing here starts throwing bats around who we have and we're losing to them right jesus does anybody want to win in this piece (laughs) so some form of that happened and they responded to it and we did make you know we made it to the playoffs and Honestly, if we had just lost the wild card round and let's say we took one game, it would have been very disappointing, but it was still would have been like, well, at least we made it to the playoffs. At least we were competitive. Right. And then it would have been, you know, whatever. It had been uh, other things that we were worried about. Correct. Except we came in and guns blazing in New York. On a 102-win team with DeGrom and Scherzer, we talked about it last episode. Um, so that was just shocking, I mean, to watch. To actually play up to the level of our uh, capabilities right. at a huge moment was – and, I mean, then you have the Musgrove game, just pitching an absolute gem in a must-win game to move on. Incredible. So we move on from there. You take down the Dodgers. I want to make that real sweet, yeah. real simple, real concise. I did. <laughs> we won. You lost. And that's really all that has to be said. Right. And just watching the Dodger fans cry about different things and trying to find their way around how to, you know, we're still down here or we're still up here and you're down here. It's like, no, dude, you lost the series. We smoked you. Yeah. And that's it. Like, it doesn't actually matter the rest of it you could win 150 games in a season and if you lose in the nlds then you're a disaster so the games that count right there and they were not able to jump on that so that experience itself as a Padre fan i think all of us realistically thought we wouldn't make it out of that series right there because look we hadn't beat them in one series the entire year so why would we you know of course we want to of course i want that upset but that was a big sports moment right there so that was wonderful. I mean, that's a euphoric, almost like winning the World Series. Not quite. We don't even know how that feels, but it it felt big. You know? And that's what made the NLCS kind of sting because, I mean, you're right there. You know what I mean? Like right after we beat the Dodgers, 
that was the team that seemed like you couldn't get past them. Right. Granted, I want to give a lot of credit to the Phillies, though. The way they're playing the Astros, which we'll get into, and the team that they have been playing as, you got to tip your cap. I mean, they in the game that they beat the Padres with Mike Clevenger, you know, what did I say on the podcast? Can't put him out there again. What did I say? And we I put agree. him out there, and he gets his ass whipped when we have a 4-0 lead in the first. So that game, I mean, they we put up four in the first. They put up three in the bottom. We still have the lead, and then they just kept hitting right. and hitting and hitting. We had a home run. They hit, like, three. It's, it was at that moment where I go, I don't know if we're on that same tier of just completely locked in. So we'll get into the Phillies, but um, what I do like is that we were still – plays away from winning those games in that series. I mean, it's not like we were besides the 10 to 6 loss. Game 3 was 4 to 2, uh-huh. 4 to 3 even. And then the last game, I mean, we had it in the bag. Bryce Harper is just on a different planet right now and he hits an outside changeup opposite field, you know. I mean, it's just you got to give credit to a guy that gets a hit like that, but it was absolutely Bone crushing, soul crushing. I mean, I thought for sure we win that, take it back in San Diego. You've all seen the videos, and I stand by those because we were that. I mean, we were that close. So that sucks. But look, being in the NLCS, first time in our lives, really, where I could sit and appreciate it. Yes, and uh, enjoy and be nervous and like go through the oh, the Padres play at five today, and like that becomes part of your whole day. I mean, that's what we've always wanted. That's the best part. That's what we've always wanted. Like, that that team, that type of we have a chance at least. Like, we're, we're playing tonight. Let's see what happens type of thing. That's what I've always wanted. And we did that this year. I feel very good about next year. Obviously, there's high expectations for, you know, based on this year. But to me, why not? Why not us? We honestly, and I was thinking about it yesterday. When we match up with the Dodgers, it does. I don't feel like it goes back to square one. I feel right. like we have a roster that, like, we should beat you. Maybe not all the time, but it should be more so than it was this year. Um, but I mean, we stack up against anybody. We'll see who they add, and whatever. But I'm very, I'm as a whole very happy about the Padres season. Of course, we didn't win it all, so I'm disappointed in that aspect. But we did a lot of great things, and there's a lot of good to come. And I guess that goes right into the World Series that's happening right now, the Phillies and the Astros. What do you got? I yeah, I did. I don't even. You had some thoughts on uh, the Phillies, I believe, and I want to hear did. what. <laughs> I, I did. I. I mean, I I don't know who. Oh man, I don't even know where to. Let me collect my thoughts here. <laughs> yeah. Um, Center yourself. I I, I think my whole thing with you know phillies and houston right now it's really it's an interesting world series there's so many people that are you know you know fans baseball fans that you know we we probably preach to in a in a sense of hey these guys are houston are the cheaters and it will be it will go (laughs) down in the days as that as houston are the cheaters but i gotta say i mean i've I've always had a lot of respect for Justin Verlander. I mean, that guy's got 
he's somebody that can go deep into innings. He's got nasty stuff. And I've always had a lot of respect for him. Um, in regards to like, you know, the Phillies themselves, you, you touched on it earlier when we went through, you know, the Padres and the Phillies series. In baseball, if you are on a hitting wave, it is just empowering to a team. And it is an it is a, it is a it is an electricity that is contagious within the clubhouse. And it's I, I mean, I think it was last night's game or the game before that, um where I think it was last night's game where uh, or maybe it was two games ago. I can't remember. I'm getting the, the games are getting mixed up in my head, but nonetheless, it's where Bryce Harper, you know, rocked a home run in the first, in his first at bat in the first inning, I believe it was. And the guy behind yeah, him, yeah. they got no hit yesterday. So it couldn't have been. <laughs> right. There you go. See, right. but the game, the guy, the guy behind him, like Bryce goes, everyone's probably seen this video, but yeah. him, you know, he's got to tell which is really hard to do in baseball already, like figure out a pitcher's tell. But to be able to do that and say, hey, this is what I saw, and the guy gets, what, I think a double off of him? I mean – No, he had a home run. There you go, a home run. Yeah. Um, it just – that kind of stuff in a clubhouse, I mean, that shows the dominance and, you know, how in tune they are with their bats. Um. It's just an interesting series. I don't want it to be the Phillies because I don't really like Bryce Harper. I never really have. He seems like a a tool in the clubhouse. But <laughs> I will say he also cares about the Phillies. Like, he stuck it out through the days of them not being good and him being, like, the batter. We got to see him be really bad at Philly, too, you know? I don't think he's been the worst player they've had, but still, I just, I don't really like him. So I'm hate to say this. I'm pulling for the Astros just because I really like how well their pitching's doing, but even Philly's doing well in that sense. It's, this is a nice battle for world series. That was what I was going to say when, uh, when your team's not in it, which most of the time it's not, our team is not. Uh, <laughs> I like the fact you touched on Verlander, uh, Harper, Schwarber. I mean, I like the fact that as a baseball fan, you can just sit and watch great baseball being played. And, you know, the Astros starting to combine no hitter throws a completely different element into the game. Uh, after a day where the Phillies looked like they could hit everything to the moon. So the Astros come back being down to one throw combined no hitter changes the whole script of the, the world series. So the drama of baseball which we love is unfolding right before our eyes. So I absolutely love. And then, you know, like you said, we're going to see your Verlander tonight, who's upwards of 39, 38, 39. And he's, you know, he's still the top, one of the top dogs in baseball, if not the top dog, literally number one. So, you know, like the storylines of these guys' careers are awesome to watch. And, you know, it's funny, like, 10 years from now, I don't know how well a Phillies Astros World Series will sit in our minds, but it has the potential to always be like a game seven type of World Series that we will talk about. Right. And as of now, I mean, it's been very competitive, very easy baseball to watch. If you like watching baseball, I mean, it's back and forth, very strategic. I mean, Dusty Baker yesterday could have left his starter in there that has a no hitter going 
for longer if you wanted, but he trusts in the right. bullpen ends up being a combined no hitter in that way too. So right. there's a lot of chess going on. Um, to the Bryce Harper point, I'm removing myself as like personally how I feel about him. I mean, I, I agree. He's, uh, it just seems like a, a tool, whatever. Um, I'm on board with that, but talk about a guy who's, like I said, just absolutely locked in in this postseason. Right. I don't know what his average is, but man, every time he came to the plate versus the Padres, I'm going just freaking walk him because he's going to hit it to the freaking moon. And it's just some of these guys get in these grooves where it's like, no matter where you throw it, first of all, they're not swinging at balls. They just are so locked in on the zone. And number two, when they do see a ball in the zone, they're just crushing it. Right. If you remember on the Mets, maybe uh, like seven years ago, like the 2015 Mets that made it to the World Series, Daniel Murphy was in the same kind of just automatic zone. And I know this because the Cubs were playing against them. Couldn't get the guy out, and he wouldn't swing at a ball. And, and when it was a strike, he would be just completely on it, and it was either a home run or a double every time. So it really comes down to the team teams that have all of that combined going on with the pitching and just the batting and situational hitting. Those are the two teams that make it to the final. So the Phillies and Astros are a great match for each other because coming into the world series, the Astros didn't even lose a game in any of the series that they played. And the Phillies, like we've been talking about, have been just offensively dominant with everybody right. they played and the home field advantage they've had. I mean, awesome to see. Awesome to see because kind of it was basically what we had just kind of on a different, you know, Philly fans are insane in their own respect. Oh, yeah, they are. So, you know, they're standing the entire game and visually you love to see that just watching the game. So we'll see that again tonight. But I'm hoping it goes to seven. Me too. I, I more so tend to want to see the Phillies win it just because in my own mind, it, then the Padres loss becomes so well, we lost to who won it all. And in some way, that makes me feel better. It really doesn't matter. But <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't be upset if Dusty Baker finally gets one, too. Another, you know, all-time baseball head. Um, but really, I just want to continue watching good baseball. I agree. I, I hope it goes to seven as well. I think it just – these two Goliaths battling is is really – it's fun to see. And I, I, I would love to see it go to seven. And just make it like a last two-inning like game oh, seven yeah that would be the best you know i feel bad for people who don't watch baseball as we watch baseball and they just i don't know what it is that makes it boring or whatever but to me i mean every pitch is the difference of a game i mean when you go zero zero to two zero to one you know anything can change at the drop of a drop of a hat so well I think, I think that's the best part of it i think to that point i think you and i are so you know, we're indoctrinated into this baseball sports lifestyle from, you know, our parents or our family. And I, I think as we've grown up and understood sports a lot more, I mean, this is totally, we're just talking about sports now, but I mean, in a, in a sense of it is we understand it deeper than just seeing people hit a ball and run. Oh, yeah. pieces, right. We're understanding, like we're getting into the, in the zone of like, okay, how are how do you strategize like against this guy? I mean, you brought it up. Just walk Bryce Harper. Like, don't do anything else. God, I wish walk. we would have. <laughs> you know, and, and those are the kind of things where it's just, 
why didn't we walk them? Why did we yeah. rescue them? You know, and and those are the things that I I love as a, and I think you you kind of alluded to that and to that point I think you know you talked about Philly fans being you know Philly fanatics <laughs> uh, no pun intended but <laughs> I I I feel like and I've talked about it before this right the Padres are starting to make that shift into those East Coast types of teams where you know guys are knowing everything. I'm finally starting to feel that. And especially after this year, I mean, we had such a, a solid but consistent fan base that was following the team. I felt like, you know, if we were to look at like a percentage of guys, you know, fan bases of like, okay, how much are you actually following? Or are you bandwagon? Excuse me. I mean, that margin is getting thinner and thinner and it's, oh, yeah. it's exceptional to feel as a fan. No, it's, it, that's a great point, too, uh, because watching the Padre playoff games, obviously we haven't been in it in a while, and you just see the only, – only the people that are from there could really see the difference of, like you said, I mean, a lot of those people are just – like they've been to all the home games the entire year. Like we're all in it since April, you know. We're trying to put, will this team, which uh, Bob Melvin talked about a lot in his uh, – you know, final press conferences with the in the season, but just like the fan base as a whole, we we want it so bad. I sometimes I think we want it more than the team, and it, it becomes it gets to an irrational level. But no, that's where we're. I think that's where we're at. That's not where we're headed. We're there, and now right. it's just the fine tuning of Correct. our fan base, where maybe we don't make weird little songs on KUSI and just kind of like keep it even oh, keel no. until we could. Uh, <laughs> win a game or two but you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fault the guy for being excited but you know maybe you know take it easy a little bit but also on this world series this game is massive for the rest of the series i mean i always think uh the game five winner just holds all the cards and sometimes it doesn't work out that way but i would i would imagine the percentages always play in favor of who wins game five and especially if you're Philly, it's almost a must-win situation because you're going back to Houston. So you got, I mean, you're you're just going to somebody else's turf. I don't know how much that really plays a part in it. We saw the Braves win in Houston last year, but you'd love to be up one rather than down one with two games in somebody else's city. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Oh God. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's talk about let's talk about it. Let's yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, we are talking about the sports banter fancy football league, which has now we are what in week nine. Uh, yeah. And things have started to take shape. So before we get into the numbers, the stats, the bare crux of it all, I'd love to hear, you know, your personal stance on your team. Oh God, how you playing? You chances going forward, just kind of give me the overview of uh slippery Pete McArdle. You know, slippery Pete, let's just put it this way we uh, our aspirations were high in the beginning, and that is since dwindled. Um, you know, I mean, I'll say it now, I'm I'm two and six, great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, you see, this is, this is what we're talking right about. down there. Um, you know, two and six. 
again, like I said, I thought I had a, uh, you know, thought I had a, the aspirations were high. Uh, I thought I drafted fairly well. I thought I did the best of my abilities. Um, I would say that has failed at this point, And I'll tell you this why. <laughs> yes, okay. I'd like to know why. A big thing for me was, um, you know, I proposed the rookie in the in the roster. I kept fucking leaning on this guy from Sam Moore from the Chiefs, and I probably leaned on him. A I think it's Sky Moore, so that should say it all. That should say it all about how that relationship went. But I think I leaned <laughs> on him just a little bit too much because I don't know what I was doing. I was. I drafted him and I think at that point, like in the first, in the early stages of our fantasy, I think everybody kind of grabbed up a bunch of rookies and just kind of had them. Um, and then I got some people that it, again, I'm kind of generalizing it. I'm, I'm making an excuse for myself is what I'm sure. Well, that's what, that's what fantasy is all about, but proceed. And I, finally just was like all right this fucking guy so are you saying it's just it's purely based on the no, rookie no absolutely, absolutely not absolutely not because that mean, would have been that would have been egregious right you know i mean what what helped what didn't help me is you know i had justin herbert and justin herbert has mm-hmm. i think i may have even said it and I, I've, I've got a whole i mean i need a different podcast for all the quarterback shit that i've got problems yeah. with this year but you know, I think everybody thought he, he was the golden child this year, and he has shit the bed, and so have the Chargers. So let's just put it at that. Um, but you know, that, that hasn't helped me. I mean, I'm I've got fucking Geno Smith this week, and I feel like starting him over Justin Herbert. I, yeah, that's what you got right now. You got Smith over yeah. Herbert. You got. I'm, I'm gonna leave that. I'm gonna leave that there because you smith's not been bad actually and um but i do see your new rookie and i i don't know who that is khalil shakir oh khalil shakir. so i have yeah i'm, I'm leaning brutal i had uh <laughs> david bell with the browns he's actually I, I just needed points that's my thing is right. i was literally at gaps with points you know and if anybody got uh what's his name Pickett from the steelers you got a rookie quarterback. I mean, come on, those are those are easy points. That's like easy, easy points. Even though it's the Steelers, you know, Chris Olave again, another good pick. Um, and uh, you know, just some of those rookies have really gone off. Like the Colts is wide receiver, good guy. You know, you're everybody. I like, I like my guy. No, you have. Uh, I think is is it Jenkins? Or? Garrett Wilson Garrett. from uh, the Jets. Who yeah. just kind of fell in my lap after I thought I had like six rookies that I listed out on my like uh, prep draft prep sheet, and they all got picked like way earlier than I thought. And I was like, oh shit. Right. And I, he was literally the last guy that I knew. Uh, I was like, he got picked like 10th, didn't he? So I went with that. It's worked out primarily. He hasn't, uh, he's had some weeks where he's made a difference, but. Right. Yeah. I mean, you got anything else on uh, your team? Is there any hope? Um, I hope so. I got, I got a little hope. I got a little. Okay. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, you got to throw any trades in the mix or what? You know, it's really weird. I'm always very skeptical of trades. Um, 
I would agree, actually. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I like to stick with my team, and I, it's really funny. I, I've gone a couple fantasy years where it's just let me see what I can do with who's, who's throwing the scraps away in there, you know, who's throwing the trash away. Let me see what <laughs> I can do. And sometimes, dude, sometimes you find like a little, a little nugget there, and it, oh yeah, it's just how it goes sometimes. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I think finding the nugget is actually how you win in fantasy football. Other than if you draft somebody that nobody thought was going to be that good, but he was still going to be, like, good. Right. That's a, that's another way. Like, if you drafted Josh Allen, like, two years ago, and you could have gotten, like, the eighth round, and he just turns into Josh Allen, you're like, oh, shit. I didn't right. think he was going to be that good. Right. Yeah, so here here I am. Four and four, uh, two games out. And one game out of the fourth playoff slot. I like my team. I haven't made very many changes. Here's a little rundown of my team. Kyler Murray. Love. He is a strange cat, but they're almost always down in the beginning of games. And he's forced to throw and run. So he starts the first half with like five points and then he ends the game with like 23. So very strange beast, but I'm, I never have to worry about the quarterback position because he's always doing something. Aaron Jones, hit or miss, but uh, they give him the ball a lot. Here's my thing. My team scores a lot. I like that. If, as long as we score a lot, I mean, I feel like. Yes, Jack Drew. Um, I've lost a few just I lost one game where I had like 150 points and the other guy had 153. Those are just brutal because I'm like, I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. No, just ran into a buzzsaw this week. Uh, Cooper Cup is my favorite fantasy player ever. I mean, what can you say? The Rams throw it to him every play. He is just a joy to have on my squad. Unbelievable. Uh, I have him on, on in my other fantasy. I have him on my team and I love him. He's, I mean, it's it's just an absolute joy to be around. He did have an ankle scare last week, so hopefully he's okay. Because if he goes down, then this whole conversation is <laughs> to watch. I if I don't have him, then forget it. Uh, Mike Evans has his moments. Bucks offense has stunk this year, though. Jeez. I mean, I got Tom Brady in another league, and it is infuriating watching them play. Mind you, last year, he, they had, like, this high-powered offense, and Brady himself was on some other guy's team, put up, like, 50 on me himself. Right. He, that, that guy doesn't exist anymore. So, yeah, we could go oh, into So, he's a divorced man. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. We could go into the divorce thing. And of course, so next year, I think my worst fantasy experience will be drafting Tom Brady the year he got divorced. Because <laughs> it is, yeah, it's no good. There you go. Here's my rook. Uh, Garrett Wilson, let's take a little peek about uh, his game to game. Give the people a little. So, one big game versus Cleveland, yeah. two touchdowns, 30 points. That was big time. Definitely won that week. Um, 12 pointer here, you know, but not not a lot of scoring. He just he but gets he's the ball. You points, though. Yeah. He gets the ball enough where you're not. Like upset at him. I'm not really looking for him to get that many points, but when he does, it's like, oh wow, okay. 
Patriots D, pretty solid. Uh, I really like Kareem Hunt. Yeah. I was hoping he might get traded. He did not. Yeah. Uh, think of that. I think that's so weird that, like, I don't understand why Cleveland is holding on to him. I mean, the guy, the guy should just get – help your team out. Like, trade him. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't understand what Cleveland's thinking. When you're giving the ball to Nick Chubb most of the time anyway, and Nick Chubb is killing it. He's leading right. the league in rushing. I mean, fantasy aside, it, it seems like you could have got something for him. A fourth-round pick is what they wanted. I can't imagine no one offering – I don't know how old he is, but, I mean, I like him. I like him as running back. I mean, I would – We've give... talked about that at length, but – Yeah, I mean, let's just leave it at this. Do I think he's better than Claypool for a second-rounder? Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah. Now, now you're barking up my tree. All right, I, leave I me. Know. We weren't going to talk about the bears tonight, and there you are poking the bear. Goddamn polar bear! Come on, man. <laughs> uh, a quick little blurb on that. So originally, when the bears traded Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn, more so Roquan Smith, I was upset at that because the guys. 26, is the all-pro. We drafted him. And my original thought was, well, if we're not going to sign that guy, then who are we going to sign to the team? Like, you know, re-sign to the team. Give him an extension. But more I thought about it, uh, I'm okay with it because they tried to sign him to an extension at the beginning of the year. He has no agent. He represents himself in the negotiations. So I think there's a massive disconnect between like, here's the business of like what your market value worth is, you know, right. the bears people telling him that. And here's just a guy who plays the actual square being like, no, I think I should make this because I am Roquan Smith. And I get both sides, but right. I tend to more agree with like, this is like the analytics of what you're actually worth to this team. And I think they probably either gave him whatever that was, or maybe a little above that because he's like, he's a fan favorite. And it wasn't enough for him. So at that point, you got to cut your losses and get something for him. So Chase Claypool is something we absolutely need. I don't know if he's, he's let's put it this way. He's young. He's fast. He's big. Um, when Roethlisberger was the quarterback, he made some big time plays. Now, I mean, I wouldn't blame him for his production this year. You got Trubisky thrown to you. You got Kenny Pickett thrown to you. That's I can't be on you. Um, it's a but stick, the Bears, it's a stick throwing a football to you. That's what it is. <laughs> but the Bears have like they don't have a wide receiver nucleus. So by adding him and the way that Justin Fields has been playing, which has been great, which is really all I wanted this year. Like I think I talked about that at the beginning of the year. I just want Justin Fields to continually get better, and that's what he's been doing. We have a million holes elsewhere, but finding a receiver that can elevate. Mooney's play and then now it's like we're a couple receivers away probably like uh actual number one I think Claypool would be a nice two and Mooney would be a great three but if you can get a number one somewhere that would be really nice but you know Rome wasn't built in a day and neither of the Chicago Bears I've been waiting 29 years and we've had maybe four four good years one time we made it to the Super Bowl primarily defensively um so i mean 
That's the Bears. They really pissed me off last Sunday, so I don't really want to. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. Don't worry. You know, I follow the Bears just because uh, it's out of a, a loyal friendship. It's out of respect, yeah. It's out of respect, you know. And, you know, Mooney, shit, I think he caught the most passes out of anybody in that game on Sunday. I mean, he was getting the ball. I think there was one drive before the half where Mooney caught the ball maybe like a thousand times before, uh, you know, halftime. Um, but what, you know, I will say this, this is the one thing I, I will say about the bears. I feel really bad for Justin Fields because that guy will run for like 20 yards and then it's a holding penalty. <laughs> and dude, he just sits and just stands there on the sideline going, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> oh, well, yeah, it's, it's a dark time to be a Chicago Bear, like a literal Chicago Bear. He doesn't have much help around him. No. But I think he understands that, and I think the powers that be are in his ear like, hey, man, continue to get better. We will get people around you. I believe in the plan. Uh, I believe in the plan because I think just listening to the Bears GM as long as you have conviction and a plan in place, then I don't care. Then I'm going to ride with you until it either works or it doesn't. But if you're, like, trying to please the fans and then you're kind of trying to do your thing, that's where we've not succeeded. Like, just do what you think you have to do. And if your vision's correct, then maybe it's correct. You came from Kansas City, so obviously you saw how it was built over there. Um, we're at the very beginning stages of it, though. So my thing is just – Go 100% what you think you should do. Don't go anything other than that. I need I need 100% focus on what you think we need to do. And I think that's what he's doing. So we've pretty much gotten rid of every uh, competitive bear from the past five years. So this is a new – it's a new era. This year's a wash. I knew that. We'll see what they do uh, in the draft, most importantly. But what I was saying was in our fantasy league, I feel good about my position. I'm right there. I'll either, I'll either win a couple of games and be right in the mix, or I like I'm right in the middle. I'm four and four, five hundred. It's either swim or sink, or sink or swim, dude. Yeah, I, I gotta really, uh, you know, I gotta play with what I've got. I gotta play. I, I you got an uphill battle. I do, <laughs> I do. And you know what's really funny is I'm on my way home today. And I'm thinking about the podcast, and I, I I knew we were gonna talk about fantasy, and I go, man, I I really gotta fucking figure it out. <laughs> I almost Isn't that the best. Almost, when you have that, the conversations you have with yourself in fantasy are the best. Oh my god! Like, it's like exactly I gotta look. At my, I gotta look at myself in the mirror and go, "You need to figure this fucking out right now." I'll tell you this: in my dad's fantasy league, I'm two and six, and I'm telling myself the same damn thing. I go, "Man." You really blew it drafting this year. <laughs> oh. And, you know, and that's the thing. Like, you know, you go into your fantasy going, okay, I've created my list. I got my guys. I got my backups. I got my backups backups. I got, the, you know, I got some guys on the side. It's like, okay, well, if I see them in the draft, you know, I'll, I'll throw them in. Let, let, I'll keep them on my roster, maybe two or three games, see how they do, and then I'll offload them. Well, guess what? I did all that, and it didn't happen for me. I mean, come on. Good Lord. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. It's, I'm I might be I might just be an arrogant SOB this week and I, I'm gonna start Geno Smith and I'm gonna I'm just gonna see how it goes. You know what? When you're two and six, you gotta you gotta do some weird shit to get back on track. So well, I mean I see it as like Geno's playing Arizona. Great too, honestly. Talk about a guy who's just absolutely 
changed the whole narrative of the Russell Wilson trade. Oh my! I God. mean, they're yeah. having. You would figure Russell Wilson would be the one having Geno Smith's year, and Geno Smith would be playing like Russell Wilson, and then everybody would just be like, "Oh yeah, that's that's what we expected." But it's the exact opposite. Do I think Geno Smith is a Super Bowl quarterback? Not yet, and I don't think he ever will be. I hate to say that. I think though, what he's doing is he is creating a buzz about him right now and he is playing exceptional football you know he's playing he's he's doing really well but do I think he pushes Seattle to a Super Bowl I don't think so no way what are we talking about here let me ask you let me ask you this I almost had like a heart attack let me ask you this I think if Geno Smith is with the Raiders the Raiders are like way better than what they're doing right now. Raiders are trash. The Raiders are bad. Um, I don't know. I, I don't – yeah. We're going to have a full NFL debrief next week because I feel like we have we uh, we need to dive into that. Oh, Thanks yeah. for exactly this type of thing where it's like the Raiders. Quarterback. Um, you know, are, the, are the Giants good? Probably like, – I don't know. And there's a lot of storylines going on. Aside from Bills and Eagles and Chiefs, I think those are easily like the top three, maybe Vikings even. They're six or seven and one. Love the those Vikings. are probably top four teams in the league right there for sure. And I feel like there's a massive drop off after that. I agree. Yeah. So we'll get into that next week. But um look, for this episode, covered the Padres. Honestly, a tremendous year. Great year for our city. Wanted wanted the World Series bad, though. At least to be in it for the city. Because I feel like just the clinching game to the NLCS, it will be just an unbelievable moment in San Diego history. Right. Didn't have it this year, but still stoked for the boys. Game five is on as we speak. We're recording on Wednesday. So we'll uh, be covering that. And... Sports Manager Fantasy League. Polar Bear's got some work to do. I got some work to do. I like my squad. He's taking a stand against Justin Herbert. <laughs> got anything else uh, for the for the great people of Sports Manager? Hey, man. <laughs> Let me tell you this. Tell me. Fantasy can always change, baby. I'm coming for, <laughs> I'm coming for everybody now. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine... So if you do come back, that needs to be a shirt, and you need to wear it, and you need to wear it proudly on the show that you uh you turn the tides. Here, I'll, I'll make. Uh, I'm rooting for you. Why not? Why wouldn't hey, I? Root I for hey, you? you know what? I appreciate it. Hey, I will say this in our fantasy league. Who's in first place? I can't remember his name right now. Uh, that would be Bryson Blake. Shout yeah. out Bryson Blake. You know, I, I'll tell I'll tell you this: if Bryson Blake is in first place throughout the whole thing. I now know why he didn't pay his fees. <laughs> I thought you were going way left with that. I oh, no. Fuck no. I won't give him his fees if he doesn't pay after that. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that's a tough tough first shout-out on this show. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll have have to be... The polar bear will come after you. Yeah. I've been trying to I've been trying to get him on the show, too. So, that might have to be a discussion that needs to be face-to-face on here. Let's hash things out. Yeah, we'll we'll have a you know we'll have a town meeting. <laughs> uh, I love it. We're back and for episode twenty two, sports banter. 
We out. See ya.